Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in with me today. We are going to be looking at the life of Abraham, so we will be skimming through chapters 12 through 24 of Genesis. I do covet your prayers that God would grant me wisdom to know what to include and what not to include as we continue on this journey through the Bible. If you remember, I started seminary again for the second time in 2020. My very first class was Old Testament. And while in that class, one of my classmates made comment about Abraham and his calling. And I remember thinking, now exactly how did Abraham get called? I mean, we all know Moses and the burning bush. And we all know Paul with the light shining from heaven with the voice. But what about Abraham? And so to my surprise, I went back to Genesis 12, 1, and it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, That is it. God spoke to Abram, and Abram obeyed. You know, when COVID hit, my husband was still a pastor, and people would ask him, Do you think that God is trying to get our attention? And I loved his answer, because he said, I think God is always trying to get our attention. The question is, are we listening? chapter 12 continues. God is talking with Abram and he says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. And then he also says that all the families of the earth will be blessed. And again, this is a picture image of not just the Jews will be blessed, but all of the earth, all of the families of the earth. We learn that Lot went with them. And then in verse 10, it talks about a famine in the land, which led them to Egypt. And I just want to encourage you as the food prices rise or flooding in California or another round of COVID may hit, God is not unaware of these things. And he has a way of bringing the events of the world to move and to be where he wants it to be so that we will be where we are supposed to be. So Abram, Sarai, and Lot went to Egypt. And one of the things that Abram asked of Sarai was, whenever we go somewhere, please tell them that I am your brother which technically they were half brothers and sisters. And so it wasn't technically a lie, but his purpose was this way. These people won't take you and kill me if they think that you are my wife. So Pharaoh thought Sarah was beautiful and took her in to be his wife. And then in verse 17 of chapter 12, it says the Lord plagued Pharaoh. I think this is a picture image of what's going to be happening in Exodus. So the Lord revealed it to Pharaoh because of Sarai, God was protecting her. And so Pharaoh sent them away. Chapter 13 begins with Abram and Lot have accumulated so much stuff, so much animals, etc., that they couldn't stay together. So Abram said, you choose the way that you will go and I will go the other direction so that we both have room and we will stop the quarreling amongst our servants. One of the things that my husband said when we were discussing the first half of Genesis last week, he said, it's as if Abram knew that no matter which way he was going to go, that God would be taking care of him. 
And that's part of what it means to be in covenant with God, that he's got your back. He's guiding you. And however you go, he will be with you. Well, Lot chose the well-watered, the garden-like way, but it was also by Sodom. And it says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinners. So that's the way that Lot left. And lots of times the world shows us these garden-like, these beautiful things, but they're not always what they seem to be. God promised land to Abraham and to his seed. And so they went to Hebron and there Abraham made an altar. In chapter 14, Lot gets taken captive. So Abram and his men rescue Lot. This is the first time in verse 13 where Abram is described as a Hebrew. There are two thoughts of where this word might originate. The first is the root of Hebrew is Eber, E-B-E-R. And we see in Genesis chapter 10, verse 25, that Abraham has a descendant named Eber, who is the father of Peleg. But since other people are describing Abraham as the Hebrew, I don't think that's probably the correct understanding of what the word Hebrew means. The other word of Eber can mean from the other side, which gives a glimpse of immigrant. So in a sense, it reflects that Abraham is a sojourner, an immigrant, someone that is not in his regular land. In other words, Abraham is not from here. Well, Abraham was successful in rescuing Lot, he and his men. And then we see a new character, one that we see for just a glimpse in the Old Testament. And then we have the Psalms, Psalm 110.4 talks about Melchizedek. And then the book of Hebrews talks in chapters 5, 6, and 7 about who Melchizedek is. He is described as the king of Salem. Salem means peace. He is a priest of the Most High God. And he brings forth bread and wine to Abram. And he blesses Abram and Abram gives him a tithe, which means like 10% all that he inherited from that rescue. One of the things to keep in mind, this Melchizedek becomes a picture image of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, especially in Hebrews chapters 5, 6, and 7. So we're going to move on to chapter 15. The Lord came to Abram again. And he said, look to the heavens, your seed shall be as numerous as the stars. And verse six in chapter 15 says, and he believed the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness. The apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans uses this verse and he says that Abraham and like Abraham, so are we justified by faith. We're not justified by circumcision because that hasn't come yet. We're not justified by the law because that hasn't come yet. That's not until Moses. We are all made justified by faith, by belief, not by good works. Then in verse 18, we see the word covenant again. And God says to Abram, unto thy seed have I given this land. 
Well, in chapter 16, Sarai was barren and she had no children. So at her suggestion, which was not one of her smarter moves, she gave her Egyptian servant to Abram to have a child. Hagar became pregnant, but then she began to look down on Sarai and Sarai treated her poorly and sent her away. Which, by the way, at this time, uh, Abram was very sad, but he told Sarai she could do what she felt she needed to do. An angel of the Lord found Hagar and asked, and again, I love how God asks questions many times to us and not just tells us where we're at and what we're doing. So the angel of the Lord said, where did you come from and where are you going? And she answered, I fled from Sarai. However, I have a feeling she didn't really know where she was going. She had come to this stopping point. There was a great sorrow and uncertainty. And the angel said to her, I will multiply your seed. You are with child. You will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard thy affliction. She called the name of the Lord, the God who sees me. Ladies, God sees us and he knows where we are. He knows the circumstances in which we are in. And if we seek him, he will guide us as we look to him. So she obeyed what the angel said and she went back and Ishmael was born. Verse 16 says that Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. And then when we get into chapter 17, a few years have passed and Abram is now 99. And there's a new description of God. He is now almighty God. And again, we see a covenant between me and you. And you will be a father of many nations and kings. And Abram gets a new name. Abram right now means exalted father. But now God will call him Abraham, for he will be a father of the multitudes. In verses 7 and verse 9, God says there will be a covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations. I don't know if you remember, but in the beginning, I talked about how Genesis is split up into 12 sections and there are dividers which talk about, for instance, chapter two, verse four, the generations of the heaven and earth. Then in chapter five, the generations of Adam, six generations of Noah, 10 generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, then chapter 11, we take a look at just Shem because Shem is the line of Jesus. Then 1127, we see the generations of Terah and Abraham is one of those descendants. However, there is no division of Abraham by himself. Instead, it goes to Abraham's descendants. And I think part of that goes back to this verse 7 and verse 9 that's found here in chapter 17, that the covenant is between me and you and your seed after you in their generations. Then the other divisions will go into Ishmael, which is another nation, Isaac, which is the, through the line of Jesus. And then Isaac has two sons, Esau, which is another nation of the Edomites, and then Jacob, which shows us the line of Jesus. Also in chapter 17, we get the sign of the covenant, which is circumcision. 
One thing that is important, circumcision itself is not the covenant. It is a sign of the covenant. Also at this time, God tells Abraham that Sarai needs her name changed to Sarah because she will be the mother of nations and kings of people will come from her. We don't know for sure, but possibly Sarai means my princess and Sarah means princess because she will now be the princess to many other nations, kings that will come from her. In verse 17, God tells Abraham that Sarah is going to have a baby. And now that she's 90 years old, and when Abraham hears that, he falls on his face and laughs. I mean, God definitely has a sense of humor, right? I mean, falling on your face, laughing, that's pretty serious. At this time, Abraham is 99 years old. I think if God were to tell me that, I would fall on my face and cry, (laughs) not laugh. But Sarah here is 90 years old and she is way past menopause, way past. I think it's described as she is dried up and it doesn't seem like Abraham told Sarah yet. He was waiting until chapter 18, the three heavenly visitors come. There's question of whether these are angels, is possibly one Jesus in the flesh and it be two angels. We do not know for certain. And they are talking to Abraham and they tell him that Sarah, your wife will have a son. And I just love this picture story because where is Sarah? She is hiding behind a door, listening in, and she hears that she is going to have a son. And what does she do? She laughs. Now, I don't think she falls on the floor laughing, but it may have been more of a chuckle laugh, but she laughs. And then they say, uh, Sarah, you laughed. And she goes, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. So the main reason here was to announce that Sarah was going to have a baby. There is a second reason for the visit. And that is they wanted to discuss with Abraham about what was going to happen with Sodom and Gomorrah. And because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great because of the sin and it is grievous It has caused the Lord to grieve. Abraham, because of his nephew Lot, tries to talk with the Lord in not a debate way, but in a pleading way. And he says, will you destroy all of these people with the righteous and the wicked? And then he says, if there are 50 people, would you spare the city? And God says, okay, if there are 50 people, uh, how about 45? Okay. And I love how he says things like, now I don't want to test you, but what about 40? And what about 30? What about 20? What about if there are 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? And the Lord said, if there are 10 righteous people, I will spare the city. Ladies, I firmly believe that prayer changes things. However, in this situation, There were not 10 righteous people in the city. Chapter 9 leads us that the the two angels go into the town. Lot and his family, they're trying to get them out of the city. They linger, verse 16 says, 
and the angels take their hands. There are two angels. There's Lot, his wife, and the two daughters because the son-in-laws don't want to come with them. They take their hands and basically bring them out of the city. And ladies, this is a sign of grace. They don't deserve to be taken out. They're lingering, yet God brings them out. And then in verse 22, they send them off. He says, I cannot do anything basically until you are safe. So go. And then verse 29 says, but God remembered Abraham. And ladies, that's why Lot and his family was rescued. And many of you know that Lot's wife turned back to look and she turned into a pillar of salt. I think this is also another picture image that we are to pray for our family and friends because God remembered Abraham and therefore saved Lot. Whom will God save if you and I will pray for our family and our friends? Chapter 20, Abraham is with Abimelech and they are journeying again. Abraham and Sarah are journeying again. They go to Gerar. And once again, Abram says, she is my sister. Sarah at this time is 90 years old. She is, her name now is Sarah because they have been given the promise. And it amazes me that Abraham would risk it even after the promise that God gave them. This reminds me, no one in scripture is perfect except the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, also think about Sarah. I mean, she must have been on this amazing Mediterranean diet with a wonderful skin lotion for her to be so beautiful at the age of 90 that Abraham is afraid that they might take her and kill him because of her beauty. In verse 7, God tells Abimelech in a dream that Abraham is a prophet and told him what happened. And God once again protects Sarah. And Sarah is without blame because she was being obedient to her husband. Chapter 21, Sarah gives birth to a son and they name him Isaac. And guess what his name means? It means laughter. We know Abraham and Sarah laughed. And then Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. Everyone laughed except for Hagar because this time she was sent away, but God still watched over them. The chapter continues with Abraham dug a well and he paid for proof that it was his well at Beersheba. He made a contract and a covenant. Uh, Water and wells are big deals in this region because it's a very dry land. And we will see throughout the importance of wells as we uh, continue through Genesis and then even into the New Testament. Abraham was still sojourning around. And then in chapter 22, we have probably one of the most hard passages to get our minds wrapped around. But God tempts, according to the King James Version, uh, in other versions, it's that Abraham was tested by God to offer up thine only son, Isaac, the one that you love as an offering. I will say that as Abraham and Isaac are getting ready to head up to the mountain, Abraham says, we are going up to worship the Lord. This is the first time in the English that the word worship 
is used. And I often think that sometimes we do not grasp what true worship is. When I was a mom and my sons were young, we lived in Northern Illinois, and I was sitting and I was reading through this passage in particular, and I looked up at the pictures of my family and my boys, and it was as if God were saying, you have to give your sons to me. They belong to me. They don't belong to you. And I just remember sitting on that couch and the internal struggle, and I'm not even going to sacrifice them. I'm just giving them up to the Lord for him to do what he so desires in their lives. Our children are not for us to live our lives again through them. Our children are gifts from the Lord for him to do as he so desires. And God demands that he be first. No other relationship, not your relationship with your husband, not your children, not other family members. We are to obey and to love God first and foremost. Now, another way that we can help get our minds, though, around this story is number one, other religions at this time sacrifice their children to their gods. So in some ways, it was not an uncommon request in that age. It's very weird for us in our age. Also, I believe that this is a picture image of Jesus and how God sent his one and only son, the one that he loves, to a world so that he, Jesus, would become that sacrifice for everyone else. It is interesting that after this, there is no mention of Abraham and Isaac together. It doesn't even mention Isaac coming down from the mountain. Could it be that Isaac got freaked out and ran home to mom? Could it be that he came down with him and he's just not mentioned anymore because Isaac is no longer an idol for Abraham? Abraham was willing and said that God is first in his life. Also, there is really no mention of Sarah and Abraham together. Uh, In chapter 23, we see that Sarah dies and Abraham has to go to her. Abraham says to the sons of Heth in chapter 23, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. And through that, he bought a burial place for Sarah in Hebron. Uh, Being a pastor's wife, we always lived in church parsonages or apartments. And John's mom came and lived with us uh, as she was dying. She was originally from D.C. area, and she had had a plot of ground all there. But we had no intention of going back to D.C., John's sister lived in Indiana, so she was close. So we were able to switch her burial plot to Bloomington, Illinois, which was a lot closer to us. And I said one day while at Walmart crying, I called John and it's like, I don't want your mom to be buried alone. Can we buy a plot next to her? And he said, sure, that was fine. And I told my Sunday school class after we bought it, it's like, it's sort of weird. I feel like I have a home for the first time. And one of our deacon said, yeah, but you won't be able to enjoy it. And it's like, I don't know, I'll be at rest and I'll be with Jesus and I don't have to clean it. So we should be good, right? Well, Paul the Apostle wrote a letter to the Ephesians. And in chapter two, he says, in Jesus, we have access by one spirit unto the Father. And now we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the household of God built upon the apostles, which is the New Testament, 
and the prophets. Abraham was one of the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The writer of Hebrews explains it a little bit different. He says, right now we live in a world that is shakable, but there is a better place that cannot be shaken. We have a home, ladies. And if we believe in Jesus Christ, that home is in heaven and it cannot be shaken. So let me ask you, are you wandering around aimless? Are you like Hagar where you you were running away, but you don't know where you're running to? The place and the person to run to is Jesus. So ladies, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Let's be women who will obey.